With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. You're free. And by damn do I mean free. Doesn't charge you a dollar, much less a cent to read resource for everything Ohio State Athletics and news. My name is Colton Denning and I will be your host today and we got a good one for you. For this week's interview, I sat down with the managing editor at Testudo Times, Ryan Connors, to talk all things Maryland, Ohio State, as well as to break down Maryland's season so far, whether their 5-4 and four record is surprising, how DJ Durkin has done in his first season with the program, where Maryland's recruiting stands, and basically all things Terps football, including the alternate uniforms that they will be wearing this week. So, without further ado, here's Ryan Connors from Testudo Times. All right, everybody, joining me at this time on the Hangout in the Holy Land is our guest from the SB Nation Maryland blog, Testudo Times. He is one of the managing editors there, and his name is Ryan Connors. Ryan, were you a fan of Mountain Dew Code Red growing up? <laughs> I really was, actually. Uh, this is That's probably why I compared Maryland's jerseys to that. But yeah, before my parents became alert to the just horrible horribleness that is Mountain Dew they were they were totally fine thinking that a little more than every once in a while but it was it was it was good stuff I I miss it if I'm being honest I I don't know when if it's still like in production but when was the last time you had a code red oh oh easily probably I'm a let's see I'm 22 at least at least 10 years ago I don't think I'd I'd, they've been they've been strictly outlawed in my my house since then. <laughs> because I'm I'm twenty six probably around the same time for me, like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, right when I was getting into high school for sophomore year. But uh yeah, I won't I won't dispute. I have had more than a few code reds in my day. How do Maryland fans feel about the relationship with Under Armour because they're like for for lack of a better term one of their bigger I think like guinea pigs and they've broken out some really wild stuff with the helmets and the uniforms what's kind of like the general consensus among fans about what they wear oh I think the general consensus is totally like 100% two thumbs up everyone loves it uh you know from the a lot of outsiders see the jerseys and maybe don't always like it but generally the reception from any jersey Maryland wears is always really good the the all red jerseys they're wearing this weekend didn't get quite the unanimous uh, seal of approval. Maybe I thought they were they're a little they're just just a little bit too red, but it's 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 not not that bad. And there was of course the the Maryland flag uniforms that they wore probably like five years ago that everyone was in agreement were just hideous. But since then they've been pretty they've been a little bit more subdued, but they they still feature the Maryland flag on everything, and it's I think I think they do it really well. 
what is that something that comes up a lot in when like you guys do recruiting profiles or, or talk to recruits is that something that comes up not so very often or enough to where you can tell it's at least making somewhat of a difference on potential recruits at all yeah yeah i think i think it is um it it probably comes up a little bit more when people are talking about recruiting than really when you talk to actual recruits uh if that makes a little bit if that makes any sense i think it's more like People think it probably has a little more of an effect than it does. But anytime you can get something, you know, that makes you stand out, that, you know, makes you look cool, recruits recruits generally like that. Well, speaking of recruiting and staying on that front, Maryland and Ohio State, you know, hadn't hadn't had, I think, a ton of interaction until last year. And Ohio State fans and Maryland <laughs> fans obviously familiar with uh, Dwayne Haskins yeah. and, and Keandre Jones flipping. Uh, it was it was after Randy Etzel's firing, and they they joined Ohio State Ohio State's class, obviously freshman this year. Maryland ended up finishing with the forty second ranked class in the twenty four seven Sports Composite right now. They sit at 15th with 20 total commits, one five-star commits in Joshua Kandor, and then four four four-star commits. They've really been hitting that DMV area hard. So for maybe a fan base and and myself that obviously doesn't follow Maryland recruiting that strenuously, how do you guys feel about the class? Does it look like a class that's going to last? Does Kando's commit look like it's going to be pretty solid? What's the state of Maryland's recruiting class going forward? Um, I mean, I think... You know, when Durkin got here, he uh, he had his big thing was oh, like every, everyone was like oh, he's he has the reputation as a really good recruiter. But it's almost you know that reputation is a little bit that always comes with a question mark because you know what is a really good recruiter? How does that translate when you become a you know coordinator to a head coach? Like what? It's all kind of a vague concept, I think. But he's. Uh, I mean, that's been his most impressive thing so far is his ability to recruit. And as far as uh, Josh Kando's commitment, um, it, it seems pretty solid. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of the time commits seem solid until they're not. But he, uh, you know, he's not taking any other officials. He's supposed, he's he's enrolling in uh, early in December. So I think that is certainly a done deal. Um, and. Yeah, I think the this and this recruiting class, the fifteenth ranking is, I think, going to be the best since they start since twenty four seven sports started tracking these things, which I mean says a lot that he can do that in his first year. But I I do wonder it's a little bit when you have some advantages recruiting in your first year because you you know you're recruiting all on promise and you don't have to prove it on the field yet. But as far as proving it on the field is gone this year, it uh, it it could have it could have gone a lot worse so far. Yeah, so let, let's get into that a little <laughs> bit. Maryland right now sitting at five and four. They've kind of gone through a, a gauntlet of teams as of late. Once they started to get into Big Ten play and obviously playing Michigan last week and now Ohio State this week in Durkin's first season. What's the general feeling on where Maryland stands right now? The Michigan State win, even though Michigan State looks like they're pretty trash this year, <laughs> that seems that seems from the outside like like it's a big win for the program. And at five and four, that's probably better than I think at least a lot of the people outside of Maryland football or the fan base of Maryland football thought they would be at this point so far. In a in a perfect world, they were gonna go. They were gonna start four and because you know they're beginning the schedule to start the year. They play Howard, which is just an unsuccessful FCS team, so that had to be a win, and there was a total blowout. FIU wasn't very good, and they blew them out. UCF ended up being an overtime win, but UCF ends up 
being actually pretty good this year. And Purdue, obviously terrible. They took care of business against Purdue, won by a lot. And so that, you know, that 4-0, I think everyone was pretty realistic about it. it was obviously a real soft 4-0 because only one of those wins was a challenge. But, you know, it's still it's still 4-0 when you're starting as a new head coach. That that generally, that feels pretty good. And you can, even if it's against bad teams, you know, in, in the situation that Maryland's in, you know, they're Maryland. And they have a first-year head coach. And they were 3-9 last year. Like, all that said, 4-0, you know, it almost doesn't matter who you play. But, yeah, I think fans in general, you know, after la- after the 3-9 last season, ever, just, you know, I'm a, I'm, cause I'm, a, I'm a senior at Maryland. And, you know, last year I just saw everyone, like no one cared about Maryland football because the games were just so boring. They were just, they couldn't score, they couldn't move the ball, and they were just getting blown out a lot. And this year it's been totally different. Um, even the... You know, the two losses weren't horrible losses, although against Minnesota, they, they were pretty clearly... They they were starting their backup quarterback, and it was it, it was pretty clearly got out of hand early. But, uh, you know, everyone... It's, it's clearly... Everyone's a lot more excited about the team, I think. It allows you to... I, I think people are being pretty realistic about last week's 59-3 to loss to Michigan because, you know, that's that's an extreme number, and that's pretty much worse than we all thought it was going to be. But it's not really that much worse than we all thought it was going to be. And a blowout loss to Michigan is still a blowout loss to one of the best teams in the country. So, I like, that's that's something you can get over. As far as the Michigan State win, I think it's certainly something the coaching staff will sell to recruits as, oh, we beat Michigan State, even though, yeah, Michigan State's not pretty. They're, they're pretty bad this year. But that, they can still use that to their advantage in recruiting. And even if Michigan State's pretty bad this year, like, if you look at these two teams, it's like the fact that Michigan State would actually be significantly worse than Maryland is just so surprising. I really still can't even wrap my head around it. But I think overall, everyone everyone really likes, I mean, Durkin, he's getting a big seal of approval from just about everybody. Well, and you, you mentioned the fans and specifically the students. Has there been like administration-wide or coaching staff-wide kind of not reaching out in all of branch to the fans, but just getting them maybe more involved than they have been in Pat in the past and trying to go out of their way to earn that trust back in year one at all? Yeah, there definitely has. I think, uh, you know, I remember when I came to Maryland, I, I was thinking like, oh, wow, this, you know, student section is going to be great, blah, blah, blah. And the student section will be really cool for about a quarter or a half. And then everyone just leaves at halftime because uh, everyone just tailgates too much before the game and then no one wants to stay. But then, um, you know, last last season was when it really the crowds were getting real, real tiny. And this year, you could tell every, in in everything Durkin said, he would always, you know, go out of his way to be like, hey, you know, we, we had thanks so, thanks so much to our fans. We, you know, they made a really great environment for us, which, I mean, is a, you know, very standard thing to say. But he said it, like, every time we've talked to him this entire season. And he's, I think he's tried to make, make a big emphasis on that. You know, I don't, I don't really know how you how you get the students to stay that much. They have their student promotions where, you know, you stay till halftime, you get a hot dog and things like that. But I think the biggest thing is if, if Maryland wins, if Maryland goes six and six this year, which they should be able to do, then next season, I think you're going to see a, see that uh, attendance bump up a little bit from students and just from the general, the, you know, non-students, because I think the student section, the student section against Michigan state stayed packed the entire time, but the, regular uh you know season ticket holders or the just people who would come to a game that still that section wasn't 
that full. And I think that'll, uh, that, that will probably change after this season a little bit at least. Well, and, and getting to the on the field product, one of the, and watching Maryland from afar, one of the, I think the, the defining characteristics and something that was really quiet last year was I think that they finished 14th last season in, in rushing S and P plus they were one of the more efficient attacks mm-hmm. in the country, but they decided to whatever reason huck the ball around and we'll get into we'll get into some of the passing yeah. game and the interception issues and how they they've quelled that this season but outside of the new coaching staff just looking at the film and being like oh maybe we need to run the ball a little bit more they've continued that success they're ninth in rushing S&P right now what's what's been the thing that's made the Maryland ground game continue to have success well I think it's interesting when they brought in uh you know they have a whole whole new system with the new offensive coordinator Walt Bell who came over from Arkansas State his big thing was really pushing the pace although that actually hasn't been a foundation of Maryland's offense so far they're in adjusted pace I think they're in the 70s but they're uh you know they operate out of the spread now and their their run game is a little bit more I don't know. It's a, it's more. I think it's more explosive this year because you have last year was a lot of a senior named uh, Brandon Ross, and he was he was solid. He wasn't explosive, but he was really solid running back, and you know did what they needed. But now this year they have fr- a freshman Lorenzo Harrison, who's been very surprising, and a sophomore Ty Johnson, who's been just really fast. That's his biggest thing. You get like he's had. He's so good at breaking long runs because you get he gets by one person and he can just run outrun pretty much everybody. So I think the biggest thing this year was the just two really fast and shifty explosive guys because in the beginning of the season they were going with about a five man rotation at running back and that's been pared down to pretty much just the two guys. So I think it's been uh, it's been it's been the system a little bit the new Walt Bell offense, but also just the fact that they've had two guys who were non-factors last year because one wasn't on the team and one was just, you know, doing a little bit more than what a redshirt freshman would, would do. And now both those guys are making making really big impacts on the scene. Well, and it seems like Bell has had a marketable influence and impact on the passing game as well. Mm-hmm. You look at last year, they, they finished 124th in passing success rate. They're up to 64th this season. You know, they, they threw as a, as a unit, and I, I know that you're well aware of this but our listeners might not be maryland threw 29 interceptions <laughs> last year which is like that's hard it's it really hard to do and i and i know a lot of or not a lot of them but at least a few of those were some unlucky bounces there were some tip balls i think i remember some being in the ohio state game last year in columbus but only seven so far this season in in perry hills he's only thrown three in eight games compared to 13 last season would you credit a lot of that to walt bell again kind of getting those not just Perry Hills, but the quarterbacks that have played as well, kind of not only just improved, but making better decisions. Because you look at Hills' yards per attempt up from 5.6 last year to 7.9 this year. Yeah, um, I think you can you can credit that a lot to Walt Bell. I think you you got to give Perry Hills a lot of credit too. He, uh, uh, you know, it's they it's a cliche, but they always talk about how hard he works, and I do do think he. I mean, I I can't even imagine how hard he worked to just get these interceptions down because he, you know, you can say, uh, you know, they weren't going to throw 29 interceptions again. That's they couldn't, if they tried to throw an interception probably on every pass, but you know, this is far better than what you could have respected, could have expected just from like regression to the mean. And it's been a lot. Also, Walt Bell's offense, 
he when when we talked to him before the year, he was like, "Well, I'm not throwing the ball as much as the previous people did." He said it. He said it in a nicer way than that. But essentially, he said, "Well, I'm not going to do what the guys can't do." So, he, last year they threw the ball at about 32 attempts per game for reasons that I will never understand. But this year that number is significant. It's probably down to about. 22 or 23 and there have been a lot that game that number might be a little bit skewed because there's been you know against purdue against howard they could have they didn't they passed the ball like 13 times and they didn't need to because they're running for 300 yards a game uh that's going to be like that part of it has been the emphasis on the run game has sort of taken the pressure off of the passing game although in recent weeks that's been a little bit harder when you're playing teams that you can defend the run well, and shifting to defending and shifting to defense, which is DJ Durkin's specialty, 48th in defense of S&P last season, 86 so far this season. Is more of that due to learning a new system? Maybe the personnel just, just doesn't fit quite yet. Kind of what, walk me through and our listeners through what Maryland's defense has been like this season. Yeah, so that's been the big, uh, that's been the big question on this team, really. It's... Um, the run defense, in, in Bill Connolly's big preview of Maryland, he said, oh, Maryland's run defense is going to be pretty good. And when you read Bill Connolly say that, and you're like, well, it's probably going to be true. And Maryland's run defense has just been very, really bad because I think part of it is shifting to a new system. You have, uh, so one of our linebackers, or their linebackers, Shane Cockerell, was a quarterback last year. Now he's a linebacker. He's So to even become a starting linebacker at this point shows you he's pretty talented, but you know, they talk about all the time. He's still, he's got a lot of stuff to sort out from eye control to just taking the right angles on run, on runs, especially uh, because, you know, it's hard to just pick up a linebacker position when you're a junior in college. And a lot of it is personnel because, uh, you know, it's, because it's, it's been the same thing almost every almost every time. You know, if another they've been really they've really struggled defending the read option, and you know when you talk to Durkin after after the game every time he's like, well the guys just aren't like you know everyone's over pursuing, people aren't staying in their lane in their lanes whatever whatever it may be. So I think it's uh, I th- I think the scheme adjustment is part of it because they are they they move from a you know last year they played a 4-3 and this year they're playing a 4-2-5 but uh i think it's it's something that will probably be fixed when uh when the when you get some more talented recruits in here you know next year you got kando coming in he's a five-star you have cam spence who's a four-star on the defensive line that should that should help change some things they would have really i'm sure really like to have Kendra jones on this team because he'd be he probably would have been starting right now but uh he's uh, I'm sure enjoying his time in Columbus and enjoying the eight and one record. But uh, yes, I think it's it's something that now we can say I we think would hypothetically be fixed by uh, just getting the right personnel in there. But uh, we I think it's still because it's 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 it seems like it's the same problem every time. But it's uh it's it's pretty it's it's a mystery because they they keep saying oh it's well guys have to guys keep over pursuing guys aren't aren't doing their job but if it's that after every game i feel like the problem's a little bit deeper watching the maryland program from afar one of my favorite 
under the radar players in the country was always defensive back Will Likely in of course Torres ACL during the Minnesota game last month and is out for the season over the course of his career and I mean I guess even now still what did he mean not only just on the defensive side of the ball or special teams but to the Maryland football program in general because it felt like he was around forever and I know he opted out of going to the NFL draft last season to come back maybe up his stock a little bit what does his loss mean not only just on the field but just for the program in general Uh, you you could tell it was a it was a downer I mean he's been you know no no one else on this team has meant more than we're likely and he's you know he's one of those quiet guys who didn't didn't say much to the media you could tell you could tell he stepped up and talked a little bit more this year because he had to because he was a senior and you know they knew they're going to need people to just talk and when you're one of when you're a guy in his position that's kind of just one of the roles even though it's I'm sure it's not fun but uh yeah just the fact that he uh, you know was the team's best corner for the past three years he you know most people probably just saw him on sports center runs for touchdowns that was also really exciting and then uh, starting last year he played offense too uh for a couple snaps a game whether it's taking a pass taking you know taking a jet sweep or trying to catch passes out of the backfield uh he was never you know a huge threat on offense but I want to say that was because you know when he was in there teams really took notice and made sure to take him away that's you know we can't necessarily know that for sure but he he just contributed in so many different ways that he's he's a guy you almost can't really replace as a senior this year he was playing mostly nickel corner because uh, they have two talented corners in Alvin Hill and JC Jackson that allowed him to bump inside and sort of because he was playing that slot corner he was also pretty involved in the run game uh and you know he'd blitz and try to rush the passer a lot too so he yeah he i mean it's it really really can't be overstated how how important he is getting a little bit into Saturday's game something that you mentioned earlier was the rush defense and how before the season Bill said that that would be a strength of Maryland's defense so far not so much Mm -hmm. Maryland comes in ranking 127th in rushing S&P plus 117th in rushing success rate and 128th in adjusted line yards conversely Ohio State comes into the game ranked third in offensive rushing S&P plus second in rushing success rate and third in adjusted line yards is there any sort of hope that Maryland is going to have success against Ohio State's ground game at all? And like in like the perfect world, what does Maryland do to not only Ohio State's ground game, but to the offense just to make them at least a little bit less efficient like some other teams have in the past month? Maryland putting any dent in Ohio State's rushing attack is, un- calling it a long shot is an understatement, but uh, you know, this team allowed 400 rushing yards to Indiana. This, you know, it's it's probably not going to be good on Saturday. But I think in a in a perfect world, what has to happen, man, it's hard to. I essentially, I think you need better play from the four guys up front. Um, you, you know, talking about adjusted line yards, they uh, they need to be able to get off their blocks a little bit. Maryland doesn't get penetration into other teams' ba- backfields particularly often. And that obviously hurts them as well as just they seem to get pushed off the ball pretty easily. And they have, you know, their linebackers aren't particularly that fast and they have, they just haven't been taking great angles to the ball. So I think if they take good angles, 
the defensive line plays really well and the secondary sort of keeps track of everyone then that's that 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 is i guess the would be the simplistic uh explanation for how maryland does well well, and offensively, what are their keys to success in this game against the Ohio State defense? We saw Maryland run. They, they operated efficiently at times against Michigan. You know, obviously, again, 59-3, to three, you know, no touchdowns. Obviously not great. But they marched down the field a couple times, then were stopped in the red zone. One time had to kick a field A couple times kicked a field goal, missed one. But I think you need DJ Moore um, is Maryland's best wide receiver. He's, the, he's only a sophomore. And he... Uh, is able to get behind defenders pretty easily. It's at that point just on Perry Hills to get him the ball. Uh, Hills has underthrown him the last couple of times. Moore has beaten his man deep, so he's gonna need he's gonna need to be able to hit DJ Moore. They're gonna need big plays from the running backs. Uh, a staple in all of Maryland's wins has been consistently, you know, at least probably four runs of over 40 yards by Lorenzo Harrison and Ty Johnson. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be touchdown runs, but a lot of their drives, you get, you know, you're on the other, you're on the opponent's 20 or 30, then all of a sudden you get like a 40-yard boost from your running back, and then all of a sudden you're inside the, you know, enemy red zone, and everything becomes a lot simpler. So I think those are the two big things on offense, as well as just protecting Perry Hills, because that's just been a struggle all year. I think the run blocking has been pretty good, but the pass protection definitely needs to get better. Uh, that said, you know, whenever you talk to the coaches about this, they're very insistent that, you know, pass protection isn't just how well the offensive linemen are blocking. You know, it involves the center and the quarterback making the right reads, the running backs helping in pass protection, and the quarterback not holding the ball too long and not running into a sack. So those those are all things that have happened. And for Maryland to have a chance against Ohio State, they can it, it seems, I mean, I know for our, for our listeners, we're going to have a bunch of people that are like, why are you guys even <laughs> talking about Maryland having a chance? Like, it, it seems like a likely Maryland loss. But what? even if, if Maryland does lose and, and they lose big, what kind of, what things are you looking for both offensively and defensively to where you can walk away from this game, see how they played and say, you know what, they may have lost, but these are the reasons that they're positioned to have success going Sure, forward. and I think we can all say, pretty confidently that you know that's that's probably what we will be looking at uh you know come saturday night sunday and that's and that's okay because maryland is in the first year of a rebuild with a new coach and all that stuff but i think the uh the things we're going to be looking for a well it'll be interesting we don't know if perry hills is playing on saturday he got hurt against michigan uh left the game with a shoulder injury didn't come back so we don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback because tyrell pigram is the freshman who usually comes in as a backup but against uh against michigan they put in caleb Rowe, who's another redshirt senior and i think it was just because you know michigan you're already down you don't want to put a freshman in there and just absolutely crush him but i think it'll be interesting to see what the freshman what whoever's playing quarterback uh you know what what the progression looks like there because Maryland might need Perry Hills to end up, sadly, be- beating Rutgers at the end of the season because that is what probably gets you in a bowl game. It's the last game of the season against Rutgers, and you need probably at least some passing offense to make that happen. Maybe not even that much, but some. I think you're looking for a little bit of a rebound performance from Maryland pass defense, which had a bit of a rough game against Michigan, and you're looking for the passing offense to get a couple long completions, I think, uh, against a defense that is as talented as Ohio State's. I think 
it's gonna it's gonna almost hard beat for Maryland to consistently move the ball, but Maryland has enough talent and the ability to get down the field on big plays at least a couple times if they can put those things together. Well, and you mentioned the the possibility of a backup mm-hmm. quarterback, and and hey, the the last time Ohio State played a backup quarterback was the Michigan State game last year, and now look at Tyler <laughs> O'Connor, he's uh he's really thriving. But you know, you mentioned beating Rutgers, and and this will be one of the last questions before we, we get you out of here. Is a bowl game for Maryland this season an unmitigated success, regardless of who they beat or who they played at the start of the season? Getting to six or even seven wins is that just an unmitigated success? I feel like it is. Yeah. I mean, you can you can dissect the schedule all you want and say, wow, well, they played four teams that really weren't very good. And, you know, you're right. But when you're, you know, again, first season, new coach, rebuild, I think a bowl game is definitely a success, uh, especially, I mean, Maryland went three and nine last year, you know, six and six, double the wins. I think you have to look at that as just, you know, that's pretty good. You know, I think a bowl, a bowl win makes this really an unmitigated success. You know, Jason Kirk from SB Nation has them projected in the, in the uh, I think it was the Pinstripe Bowl against North Carolina, and that certainly wouldn't been, be an easy win, but it's possible, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird because, you know, as a coach, you probably dive into it a little bit more when you're looking at success. But if you're a fan, like if you're a Maryland fan looking at, oh, Maryland won a bowl game and finished six, seven and six this year, that's got to feel like a huge success. You got that. You got the 15th ranks, if that holds, who knows, uh, recruiting class coming in. And all of a sudden, being a Maryland fan is a whole lot more fun than it used to be. Final question here. Prediction for Saturday's game. It's hard because, you know, after Ohio State beating Nebraska like that, it is. I mean, it, it looks it looks really tough. But I think I think we're probably looking at something like, you know, I'm going to go 47-13, I think is probably what I'm going to go with. I think after uh, after what we saw last week, I, that's, probably my, uh, that's probably my pick. All right, well, you heard it there first. His name is Ryan Connors. He's predicting 47-13. He also likes Mountain Dew Code Red, as do I. And if you want to find any of his great work on Twitter, you can follow him at RyanConnors underscore, and you can also find his work at TestudoTimes.com and on TestudoTimes Twitter at TestudoTimes. Ryan, thank you very much for joining the show today and hope you enjoy. Thanks, you too. It was a good time. There you have it. Once again, want to thank Ryan Connors from Testudo Times for taking the time out of his day to join the podcast and talk all things Maryland football as well as break down the upcoming game this weekend with Ohio State. And hopefully the Buckeyes can walk away from this one with another consistent performance offensively and defensively like they had against Nebraska last week and build some more momentum heading into the final stretch of the season at Michigan State. And then, of course, the big one, the game on the 26th at home against the University of Michigan, which hopefully will be for all the marbles, not only in the Big Ten East, but for a chance to go to the playoff as well. That is provided that Ohio State has figured out how to beat Michigan State, which I guess we'll see. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that when we get to it, and that'll do it for this week's show. Once again, want to thank Ryan Connors for taking the time to join. Want to thank you all for listening. Remember, you can always do us a favor by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, leaving a review, which would be tremendously helpful, and then going to the SoundCloud page and listening there. If you prefer to do that, soundcloud.com slash 
Land Grant Holy Land. And for all of our other great content, LandGrantHolyLand.com and on Twitter at LandGrant33. My name is Colton Denning. Please, God, do not follow me on Twitter. Enjoy Saturday's game, and as always, go Bucks. <laughs>